Hey, hey, welcome in Trekkies. This is our corrections and apologies department. Uh, off the bat, I want to say I accidentally called the Prometheus the Pegasus late in this episode. Uh, and as we all know, the Prometheus was the name of the ship that the Doctor's Hollow program was connected to in the Alpha Quadrants. Um, also, I forgot to mute my mic while wandering around somewhere in the middle of it. So do hope that is not too distracting. We are kind of proud of what we did. This is more of a rambling stream of consciousness. We just kind of talked about the episode Course Oblivion. So we hope you enjoy it. And we will talk to you soon. Here comes some music. Hey, hey, welcome in Trekkies. I've got other brother Steven and Andrew here for another episode of the Orion Syndicated Podcast. What's up, Trekkies, not Trekkers? Not I, don't, a word. I don't understand that phrase, Trekkers. It it is weird. I've ne I never heard it until like 2009 when yeah, like new Star Trek. It's a new thing. Somebody came up with that. They wanted to get, uh, they're trying to get ahead at work and, you know, the boss is hounding them. You know, they got to, you know, you got to come up with something, John. And they're just like, Trekkers. Y'all, all right. You can have your Christmas bonus. I feel like that's where it, it's out of desperation. Sounds well, about right. Sound like the Walmart great value brand of Star Trek fans. <laughs> it is at, Andrew with the win. It is absolutely the great value Trekkie. <laughs> that that lands hard Andrew. Dude. that's so funny Stuart, all right Stuart. before we get really going on this week's episode which i'm sure you are very excited about i have to ask you uh the same thing you asked andrew i think maybe the last time he was on by the way welcome back andrew always happy to have you thank you thank you um Stuart, did you go i i, I know you do all the editing for this show but did you really listen to our last episode, a motherfucking two vix. Oh, so many times. I have a confession to make. I stopped listening to our episodes a while back. Um, they are what they are. You put out a great product after the editing is done, as best as I gave you to work with, <laughs> uh, on my end anyway. And uh, but I, I I don't listen to them. This one I listened to, and I laughed out loud at our own dialogue for the entire thirty eight minutes. It was hilarious. Uh, listener, if you if you have started listening to this podcast at this point in our very short-lived radio career, please go back exactly one week and listen to the last episode, because I think it might be the best work we've ever done. Um, I'm, not I'm not going to lie. I kind of feel like it was the best, best conversation that we've had, but we had to... I had to edit so many ums and fucks out of it, and it still needs to be tagged as explicit. Oh, 100%. The, yeah. the, it, you had, it's 
A hundred percent. It was an hour and a half of dialogue that got trimmed down to 38 minutes because I got rid of so many obscenities and curse and curse words and ums and like weird, awkward pauses. I love and it. I still need to kind of tag that as ex as explicit. So yeah, no, go, yeah, go listen to Tuvix. It's awesome. Andrew, have you listened to it yet? I have not. I have been busy today. That was on my plan for tonight. That's it. You're fired, Andrew. All right. Andrew's off the podcast. Bye, Andrew. Oh, man. Thanks. <laughs> I'm just joking. Andrew's not fired. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I agree. It was the Tuvix conversation was a lot of fun. I that thoroughly was, enjoyed it. I was very proud of it. Andrew and I also had a conversation just between the two of us which I'm going to be publishing probably pretty soon. I've almost got it updated. But yeah, we are here today to talk about something that was proposed on our favorite subreddit, Daystrom Institute, except this was not on Daystrom Institute. This was on shitty Sonic Shower Thoughts. Is it shitty Sonic Shower Thoughts or is it just Sonic Shower Thoughts? I don't want to get the subreddit wrong. I feel like you're right. I think it's just r slash Sonic Shower Thoughts. Sonic Shower Thoughts. You're yeah. right. All right. So we are going to talk about something that I saw on Sonic Shower Thoughts. So if Voyager from the episode... Uh, Course of Oblivion. Course of Oblivion was made of silver blood and they picked up a regular passenger what would that episode have looked like? I, I mean, I think it's a fantastic, like, thought experiment to play with. Yeah, I, 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 I it's excellent. So I, I also saw this post. Um, after you pointed it out, I searched for it and found it very easily. Uh, it had been upvoted, you know, <clears throat> over 100 times by the time I saw it. And the the, the user who posted I mean, a couple of people made some random comments, but the user who posted I mean, he had some... He had some stuff to say about it. I mean, he, he thought about it. This was clearly a sonic shower thought to, to the max. And I like the idea of it being this. In my mind, when I thought about it, I imagined the same episode we saw. But, you know, a hidden episode within that episode where there's this, this, this guy that they picked up along the way refugee whatever and and all of a sudden all these people are literally falling apart around him and the ship is disintegrating and, and what what the hell is going on it's a great idea andrew um are we talking my thoughts particularly on like what would have happened yeah just whatever whatever you whatever you whatever you think man i think that without getting to, into my theory my full theory, I think that it would have been a similar episode. What is the, I can't quite remember the name of the TNG episode that uh, everyone on the bridge of the Enterprise has been, like their memories have been wiped. And in the episode, Worf uh, essentially takes command right away and then switches back with Captain Picard once he learns that he's not the actual commander of the ship. Which, what episode is that? Oh, I, I know the episode you're talking about because they... That's Conundrum. Conundrum. Season five, Conundrum. Right, Season five right, episode right. 14. Right. I feel like that would have like somewhat of a similar feel in the fact that you know that that one person is the oddball out. 
so a lot of your attention is going to be focused on that one person. And I think the story does move to revolve around that person to delve deeper into it and talk about my actual, like what I actually think would happen. Uh, Captain Janeway being the, I mean, if you were in Captain Janeway's shoes and a recent new person that you've picked up and you haven't picked up anyone permanently new in the past, I mean, good bit. And then your ship and its crew starts disintegrating and people dying off left and right. And there's one person on the entire ship that is not affected by whatever is killing everybody else, including your technology. I feel like Captain Janeway would be very suspicious of the one person not affected by it. And I think that would it would be kind of like a witch hunt. There would be almost no there would be no evidence connecting this person to what was going on around them, but the circumstantial evidence would be overwhelming. And I think it would make for a really interesting episode where we see them kind of delve into madness as far as uh, blaming this person for everything that's going on because they can't explain it otherwise until they maybe delve deeper and figure out that they are the Silverbloods eventually. I think that would happen again as well. If I can jump, I mean, I'll say that sort of sounds like what happens with the, uh, was, was it called Daedalus? The episode where, like, dude shows up and can translate everything, and then they get the holographic ship and, like, right, and get slipstream right. technology, right? It all seems, like, very, oh, great, this is awesome, but Janeway is suspicious. Yes. She is suspicious, and her suspicion leads to being like, oh, yeah, this is a terrible idea. And she ended up not getting assimilated because of it. Well, so to me, like I know in the last episode, it's still really fresh. Uh, I threw a lot of shade at Janeway. That <laughs> aside, oh, so much. That, oh, so much shade. Andrew, it you should not, not listen it, to that, too much yet. So, so out of out of all the seasons of of, of Star Trek Voyager, in my opinion, my or not in my opinion, my opinion of Janeway should not be derived from the episode Tuvix. It is a it, it has to be a standalone for me because I still think that she is she is a superb Starfleet officer, a superb captain who always delves to do the right thing. Oh um, yeah, but you did her Tuvix, hard last week. Tuvix aside. <laughs> Tuvix, Tuvix aside. You know, that being said, I think that this episode, even though this the captain of this copied ship had all of Janeway's experiences, memories, and indeed thought she was the real Janeway. Up until the moment she learned she wasn't, at that moment, I felt like up until the moment right before she dies in her captain's chair, when she gives the final order to head back toward the demon planet, mm -hmm. I feel yeah. like she was, was not acting in the best interest of her crew. And I say that because... She was acting in the best interest of the real Janeway's crew, which is to get her crew home. And she, But she was not heading towards their real home. And if she had just made that decision earlier on, her entire crew may have survived. We don't know. It's speculation. And if there had been someone there that wasn't being affected, it, it may have changed the entire storyline. So before we talk about interjecting like a new passenger onto the ship, sure. I would like to talk about how good 
Robert Duncan McNeil was in this episode as Tom Paris. Excellent. For, I would say, 70 to 80% of this episode until it got to the end where it was just the whole ship was dying. Which also, was the entire ship made of silver blood? The entire was, ship, the entire thing was made out of silver blood. Everything. It, it had to be. But in it, fact, it's a, you could it's a, say that the only thing on the entire ship that wasn't made of silver blood was the Doctor. Because the Doctor, the doctor was still a hologram. He, he is theoretically the person we're talking about. Theoretically. Because even though though the projectors themselves and the computer core were made of silver blood, the Doctor was, I mean, it was no different than the copy of the Doctor we see in a later episode, who eventually goes, you know, back towards home. But he was just a computer program. If, If they had made the rendezvous, well, I won't say that because his program had already had already decompiled at that point. But if they had been able to sit down and construct a hollow emitter from unaffected components, that doctor may have survived either way. That is, that is the show that I want to see. So we're going to talk about, (laughs) we're going to talk about course oblivion, but the doctor survives because he is the only non silver blood life form on the ship. Yeah, we can, we can do both. I think I, I think we can do both. I love that idea because that means you get like a, if you're trying to change the episode that happens, you get a half very serious Tom Paris episode, Mm -hmm. right? And the, the scene between him and Bellana when he hands her the hollow program that was going to be their honeymoon while she's dying. Yeah. And then change it a little. And it's the doctor who is us watching everything melt down around him. And at the very end of it, Voyager shows up the same way, but download his like that program. And all of a sudden the doctor has those same memories. He doesn't even have to tell you about it. He's like, Captain, I'd like a moment. And that's when it fades to black instead of the just oh, dust that's the end of it. That and that's the I that's the end of the episode. Going. That would have been an that would have been that's such awesome. a satisfying ending because this is and we've talked about this on this podcast before. I don't like episodes of Star Trek where no one knows what happened for the story. It, it, it's it's not recorded in 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 their history. It just it never happened. You know, alternate universes that get erased, time travel that gets erased. Nobody knows what happened. I hate those. We hate those. And this is one of those. It was an entire thing that happened. Unless you talk to, unless. Voyager encounters some of the species that this other Voyager encountered, and it's like, that wasn't us. And we're like, yeah, it friggin' was. You know, that is the only record, is the encounters that they made. Those mission logs, they get destroyed uh, because the probe, the probe couldn't launch with uh, the unaffected components. Uh, all those mission logs and things, personal logs. Uh, so that would be the only record of things that would be an epic way for them to have ended that episode. Why the hell didn't they call you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, Andrew, thoughts. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to clap. You're good. You're good. Um, I think 
if they were to do an episode with a random person, let's say not, let's say it's not the doctor. Let's say it's not the doctor, but a random person that has joined the crew. I think the best way that they could have gone about that would have been, and the whole time, the whole time up until when they actually figure out that they're silver bloods, you're not supposed to really know what's going on. Right. So what they should have done or what I think they should have done if they were going to add in that random person, that uh, other factor was to make film both of the Voyager crews, the one that is the silver blood and not the silver blood. The only one with the person is the silver blood. And it's not going to be obvious based on the scenes that you're watching, which Voyager you're watching until the end, whenever they figure out that it's the silver silver blood, instead of just cutting straight to the other Voyager, the real Voyager at that point and not beforehand. I would have liked to, if they had that random person in there, gone back and forth and see the differences, and you have to kind of deduce based off of the small little things in the scenes that something's off, and these are like two different ships. I thought that would have been really good, uh, and it would have been put more on the twist of the fact that they are silver blo- silver bloods because that kind of it did the first. I mean, the first time that I watched it, obviously that that got me, and I didn't realize that that they were the silver bloods. But it would have the payoff for there being that twist would have it would have been better if you had had seen Voyager up to until that point as well as the Silver Blood ship. I a hundred percent see what you're saying, and that would have been a wild twist. But I feel like that might be a little bit of a. Because I know what the thing is, here's how I would have changed it also. So True. when I watched this episode today, like two hours ago, right before we started, and when that episode starts, and I remember watching it in real time, you know, there was one episode a week. It wasn't on Netflix for me to binge. You know, Steven was the same way. Enterprise was probably like that for you. You're like that age gap between us when you have to wait a week or two there was an episode right. of there was an episode of voyager before this that went beginning middle end and this episode starts and you don't find out that these are copies from the demon planet from like two seasons ago until like almost like 30 minutes into the episode they are regular Janeway, regular Harry, regular Tom. When Bellana dies in this episode, you don't know that she's a copy. You just know that like you finally gotten to watch Tom and Bellana get married and they have their wedding ceremony and then immediately emergency and then she dies of this like weird epidemic that's like handling the ship. They don't know that they're all copies yet. And so trying to watch this episode without knowing what the next couple of scenes or the next couple of future episodes hold, it really is kind of heart-wrenching because this is a crew of people. This is how much the human spirit and the Voyager's idea of wanting to get home means. They copies of themselves made a ship and set a course for earth and forgot about it 
And then by the end of it, you they know their copies, but they still want like Janeway still wants to get them to Earth, but then they disappear and no one knows anything about it. Yeah. I feel like it informs our understanding of the crew's mentality for the next episode. Hmm. Uh, That's good stuff. I would have I would have loved to have had an explanation as to why they forgot. And then they started to remember it, it, towards the end that the crew just started to randomly remember their life as being pools of biomimetic fluid. Uh, but I would have liked a, an explanation as to why they forgot in the first place, whether it was it was some kind of mental block. And in that case, why did it affect all of them in the same uh, psychiatric way, which seems implausible to me? Uh, and, and seems more of, a, of an effect of the biomimetic copying process itself. Uh, but but then why, when they started to degrade, was it, an, was it a survival instinct that caused them to start remembering? Like, hey, uh, we're not human. We should probably go back to the demon planet. It, was that what I would have loved to have heard the doctor explain it in a way, in a doctory, you know, Star Trek pseudoscience medical way as to why they forgot and now they're remembering that would have i think that would have been value added to the episode overall well i mean they weren't sentient at all if you watch the episode where demon where the civil silver blood came from um they were never sentient until harry and tom got like basically copied so i would say maybe the same sort of like biological degradation mm. would affect like a synaptic degradation as well. Sure. Right. Sounds so, like something the doctor should have said on screen. <laughs> they also did establish in the episode Demon pretty much right away whenever you found Tom and Harry without their suits, they didn't remember that they weren't Tom and Harry. So they didn't re they didn't explain mm -hmm. it at all in that episode either, but they did establish that there was some memory loss with it. That's fair. That's fair. And I will I will uh, I will stipulate that I I only watched Course Oblivion to get ready for this episode. I did not go back and watch Demon. So that's a good catch, Andrew. Okay, so before we go on, you know, we already mentioned the subreddit where this this topic came from. Uh, Sonic Shower Thoughts. We have not mentioned the progenitor of this topic. Uh, user Rumborak, and he had some thoughts. He had some he thoughts did. about this episode, and and I would just like to read verbatim uh, what he what he said. Uh, I've been thinking about this. I think this could have been developed. This could have been developed story wise. Really cool. One crew and ship starts falling apart. Two passenger X is the only one not affected, so they start accusing him of being the cause and subject him to nasty stuff like throwing him into the brig, etc. Three, eventually they find out he can't have been Passenger X. Four, Passenger X being the only one not left incapacitated, he breaks free from his imprisonment and is faced with the choice of abandoning the crew and getting on a shuttle, which would have disintegrated, or trying to save them. After much internal battle, he decides to save the crew by steering them back to the demon planet. Five. Only a broken remnant arrives on planet Demon. Passenger X dies in the process, and another Voyager-free culture starts on the demon planet. I like this. I like it. 
I've got some small problems with it, but I like it. So shout out definitely to user Rambarek. Thank you. Uh, I really appreciate uh, him letting us use uh, his idea to start this conversation. I love all of his ideas. Like that is an episode of Star Trek. Like absolutely. And if and if user Rambarek, if you have some additional thoughts on the subject. Uh, we will make sure to send you a link to this podcast. And if you go to our anchor page in the link, you can actually leave us a voice message via the podcast software. And uh, we will make sure that that gets published with this podcast. All right. Andrew, what do you think of uh, that idea? Like, would you would you watch that episode? I would watch that episode. I didn't actually read the uh, the subreddit, uh, the actual post in the subreddit. So I didn't actually know whether like what the theory was based off of the original poster of the idea. I definitely think there would have been some sort of faux conspiracy, sort of where the like either the crew or the captain thought that passenger X was the cause of their problems. I don't think that it would have been the crew per se, because with small things that happen on Voyager, it seems like the senior officers are the ones that are picking up on those small details. Everyone else is in their day to day and not paying it too much because, because I mean, there are, there are a lot of people on the ship. Relative <laughs> it's to lower standard. decks for sure. Yeah, lower decks for sure. I mean, people just don't like people that are on the bridge don't interact really with people in the lower decks, right? Sure. So I feel like it would have been a bridge officer, most likely Janeway, that would have been the one to maybe see that faux conspiracy and throw him in the brig and accuse him of things with all this circumstantial evidence. But I definitely think either way, whether it is the, the crew or the captain, definitely would have been some uh, faux conspiracy there where they thought that this p- passenger X was the cause. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And... Uh, you know, in this episode, you can see after they, they find out that, you know, they're falling apart, there is Chakotay has there's this look in his eyes and the way that he's talking about, you know, you know, w- we don't need to continue back toward Earth. You know, that's not home. There's definitely some I mean, we know that Chakotay has mutiny in him. And there's definitely this, this the look in his eye, the tone of his voice. I think if it were any other captain besides Janeway and all that they had been through together, I think that Chakotay would have mutinied. I think he would have regressed to that that Maki thing and said, no, you're making the wrong decision. Everyone's going to die. Earth is not home, and we need to turn the hell around. I thought this was a very good episode for Chakotay. And it is kind of unfortunate that no one is going to remember it other than people that watch this episode of Voyager. But no one on actual Voyager knows how good of a first officer Chakotay was. I agree. He probably should have taken Janeway out of command and turned the ship around. Again, I think it's... She mentions it in her log... Um, how many crew members they had lost, and I believe it's it's very it's 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 right before the scene in um, the conference room where she finally decides that we we we're probably going to need to turn around. And I believe it was they had lost sixty three crew members to that point. I mean, that's a lot of crew members. 
I don't know. I don't remember off the top of my head what the exact crew complement of Voyager is, but it's about two hundred. It's a hundred. It's a hundred thirty-one. It's it's even less than two hundred. Wow. Uh, it's a hundred thirty-one. So, yeah. So so sixty-three out of a hundred and thirty-one. I mean, wow. And you're still continuing toward the Alpha Quadrant. You, I don't know, man. That's 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 a tough call. That only a captain could make. Let's well, say. and you have to understand, like, we have known, and I think this is part of what makes this episode, in hindsight, work so well. Like, I actually thoroughly enjoyed watching it. Because in hindsight, we know who Janeway was. So this is a mimetic copy of her with all of her experiences that led her up to the demon class planet. And you have to think that your experiences are what make you who you are. And we see who Janeway is later in the series. She does risk a lot of things. Like, she's a risky captain. She makes an alliance with the Borg before this happens. She kind of plays a little loose with it. And you see Chakotay call her on it the same way that you... It's a callback kind of to Scorpion, where Chakotay is like, Look, I don't think this is a good idea. You shouldn't do this. And Janeway says, No, I'm going to go. I'm going to go my way. And then Chakotay, his plan being the first officer, is the fallback. There's not a fallback here. Like, that same conversation happens between the two of them. He says, you should turn around. And she says, no, we're going to try this other thing. And it fails. And then he dies. And her last act is turning the ship around, which is what Chakotay told her to do in the first place. Yeah, she 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 definitely honored his 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 legacy by 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 honoring his last request. Yeah. Uh, I definitely I mean that was powerful. Also, huge shout out to acting captain Harry Kim. I mean that's I mean for a dude that never got promoted, I mean, dude overnight, he's in charge of like, I mean there might be 3 people left on the ship, but he's the captain. God, does huge- it Huge shout out to to acting Captain Harry Kim. Doesn't Man, that, that would be yeah. doesn't that make the joke even worse though? Like he got to be acting captain and record a captain's log, but then the whole ship disintegrated into a bunch of like gelatinous bullshit. I mean, and I'm, no one remembers it. Not only that. Not only that. <laughs> Not only is this the episode that Harry Kim gets promoted and actually, you know, gains rank throughout the whole entire show, it is a great episode for Chakotay, which are few and far between as far as writing for Chakotay. I feel like he could have used a whole lot of love throughout the series and the one episode where he does really, really well. Not to say that he doesn't have good episodes, but the one episode where he does really, really well, no one's going to remember that either. So the I mean, people that keep getting the kind of the shaft as far as uh, as far as the crew goes, they they keep that keep with that sort of sentiment. And in the episode where they do get something done, it doesn't matter. 
I mean, for God's sakes, even in Workforce Part 2, the doctor who became the emergency command hologram was in charge over Kim. I mean, for God's sakes, he didn't even... He was a flesh-and-blood human, and he still wasn't in command. Poor Kim. Anyway. <laughs> Not to mention that the ex-con Tom Paris was promoted, demoted, demoted. and re-promoted again before Ensign Kim was even considered for anything. What a poor bastard. So um, I really, I really, I, I like where this conversation has taken us, and I, I really, I love that we just sort of organically came to the the conclusion that um, at least I I feel that the, that passenger X could very well have been the doctor. That would have been so easy to write in instead of the probe getting... So first of all, the probe that they designed of unaffected... That seven designs of unaffected components with the mission logs and the crew logs, at the last minute before they launched that thing, after they dropped Impulse, right before the ship was destroyed, instead of it being destroyed, pretty anticlimactic... Seven in a stroke of seven genius could have had a. It'd been like she just does this thing with her face and she just starts keyboarding away. And then it's like, I sent the doctor, you know, and it's like, and it didn't get destroyed. She sent the doctor and the doctor gets downloaded and then, and it ensues the fade to black you were talking about. It would have been, it would have been, oh, that would have been, been such closure, such closure. That would have been a great. That would have been a great ending. Okay, so I, th I'm fine with it. The they they didn't pick up a new passenger, right? They didn't pick up someone that you have to introduce the doctor as a hologram because they realized that he is emitted from the silver blood built things that are dissolving. Seven sends him in a data burst. The same way that they do in um, when he goes to the was it the Pegasus? Yeah, insert Star Trek pseudoscience here. Right, it works. <laughs> the Doctor it gets project, projected because I mean, if you actually watch the episode, you don't meet the, the the actual crew until the very end of the episode, and they just show up on the debris field. So you could ha literally have the same episode, but at the very end, yeah. the doctor just be like, and send a data file because oh, I don't, yeah. I don't care if it's like made. Just, his program just went offline. It's Harry Ken says the doctor's program went offline as of such and such time today. It didn't say he was decompiled or lost. It said the the doctor went offline. Yeah. So you have the, the final scene where they show up at the distress call and there's the debris field and there's nothing here, Captain. Uh, make a note in the log. Uh, we responded to a distress call. Ship is gone. Nothing. And then you look at the, you hear, and it's the doctor's like, Captain. Yeah. I'd I mean, like a word. That would have been good. I, another thing that bothers me is that, I, you know, maybe they could explain it away. They didn't. But maybe they could explain it away to the extreme range that they were uh, they were sending their distress signal and the ex extreme range of, that the real Voyager was away to pick it up. But every time they pick up a Starfleet signature in the Delta Quadrant, they always mention, Captain, it's on a Starfleet signature. You know, I, I did and, notice and, that. And, the, and it's like, why didn't they pick up on that? 
Yeah, I did notice that. Why didn't they pick up on that? Because if they just showed up and like, no shit, like, that was a Starfleet distress signal. And, like, what the, what, what the hell, man? Like, let's investigate some. Even in the fuzzy image, you could tell it was Voyager. Right? Because they not only got a distress call, but there was an image that came up of a ship within range. And it was clearly Voyager. Like I think that was that was that was the view screen of the alternate Voyager looking at the real Voyager. We don't know that the real Voyager saw the alternate Voyager. Oh no, I absolutely I'm saying it was from the alternate one. Ah, gotcha. When they picked up the distress call, the view screen comes up and you can clearly see Ah, it's Voyager, but it's fuzzy. I know, like, I know it's Voyager. You know it's Voyager. Why the fuck don't they know it? If you can see something visually, you should absolutely be able to pick up, like, a sensor profile. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Since we're talking about problems with this episode all of a sudden, let's talk about some more. Um, So once they figured out they were... They were demon class copies and they were started falling apart instead of looking for the nearest Y class planet, which seems to be there's only one. I mean, considering with the enhanced warp drive, they can travel that fast to get around. There's only one considering there's only one. Why not widen your options by abandoning Voyager and either taking over a real ship, which you can then flood with the same type gases, which they did in Demon with the copies in sickbay, why not do that to save everybody? Pick a new ship uh, and, and do that, or set down on any other M-class planet, which I guess, unlike Wise, are super friggin' abundant, uh, and construct said environment. Uh, I actually think that they had changed from the first episode to the second. So from Silverblood, I don't think that they were actually breathing like a Y-class environment any longer. That made no sense to me either. That made no sense to me either. I I mean, I I don't know why. I don't know how that worked. But there is no way that you can watch Course Oblivion and think that that's an oxygen-nitrogen atmosphere within the ship. Yeah, and how if, if, if... If somehow, um, because the ship itself were made of the biomimetic fluid, uh, the oxygen-nitrogen atmosphere it produced was actual. I mean, it read as oxygen-nitrogen, but since it was produced by those systems, maybe it was composed of the gases they actually breathed. Um, even so, they mentioned early on in the episode that they've been on away missions to planets that were M-class, and they didn't suffocate. It doesn't didn't, make any sense. Did not think about that. It does. It That's a honestly great doesn't point. make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. So the ship itself, like, they literally have to be breathing, like, a normal atmosphere. Have to be. Have to be. And how is that possible? I don't... I mean, they, they clearly say that the, the enhanced warp field from the new drive is what triggers the genetic breakdown. Yeah. 
So if that hadn't happened, would they have just been able to go on being pseudo humans? It's it's an interesting question, I, and honestly, it's 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 worth a Reddit post of its own. Honestly, throw those few points up there and say, what do you guys think? It's it's an interesting question, not one that I think we're going to have time to discuss here today. I wanted to circle back really quick to the doctor as uh, as passenger X the extra person there. Do you think that after the episode ends and the next episode begins, do we start the episode with two doctors or are we integrating one doctor into the other? No, I like the finality of like that moment. Like, I feel like maybe his program just picked it up. And so you have basically the exact same scene where they come in and, you know, there's a debris field and she is putting things in to the computer. And at the very end of it, like as she like goes to in log, you hear the beep of a comm badge and it's it's the doctor. It's like, Captain, we need to speak. Right. And you don't even need to show Robert Picardo. Captain, we need to speak. She looks and then it fades to black. And then we all know that he got the download. Like Seven's last ditch effort to get the doctor's hollow program off the biomimetic ship worked. And we're good. He's no, got I, I get he's got saying. he's got all of it. I definitely this is this is who I want to live. I want the doctor to be the person that's not on the ship. No, I totally get what you're saying. Um, but what I'm what I'm saying is, once they have that download, let's say it ends the exact way that you just said. That episode ends that way. They have the doctor, the copy doctor's program on file. So that is a separate program from the doctor that they already have on file. Do you activate that doctor, and is there a now second doctor? Or do you integrate that second doctor into the first doctor's program and they make them one? That's oh, an interesting question. That's uh, an interesting what, question. I think I think uh, I think they solve that problem from a show writer's standpoint. I think they solve that problem by seven encodes it to automatically overlay the doctor's matrix upon download. I, I think I think they solve that problem that way. I don't think um, at this point. Uh, I mean, certainly. It, it has always added to the humanity of the Doctor that he can be lost just as easily as any other member of the crew. There is no backup. I mean, I mean there is. We realized that at, at one point. But um, uh, there, there is no... He's as easily lost is what I'm trying to say. I, I think that's how they solve it. I can see that. Did you guys like this episode? Oh, yes. I mean, I, I do like, yeah, I like this episode. Um, again, like I've already discussed, I thought there were there were a couple of problems with some of the um, functions of it it's from a, you know, a tech, and we'd already discussed that. But uh, yeah, overall, yes, great episode of Star Trek. I mean, it showed a lot of aspects of a lot of characters that we don't normally get to see. Um, you see that that raw side of Chakotay come back where he's on the brink of, of mutiny, but doesn't. And you see uh, Tom Paris, I mean, newly married, uh, lose Bellana, and he's just he's he's absolutely broken. It's just, I mean, yeah, I think I think this episode showcases 
a lot of things that we don't see in a lot of other episodes of Voyager. No, excellent. Once I decided that against my better wishes, the ship itself could be made of silver blood, I was like, fine, this is a good episode. The first one was better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it like totally demon, demon, yeah. demon was a very good episode of Star Trek. This episode, I loved the idea of calling back to it, and the intention and the ending was so heartfelt. Uh, it was nice, but it was honestly, it was really hard to get around the idea that the ship itself. Because it's biomimetic metallic compound. They had to touch a person to create a person. So did they cre- Did they touch Harry Kim? And did Harry Kim make an entire Voyager ship? Did they make an entire Utopia Planitia Yards to create a, a starship? No. Like, they obviously did not. So the ship has to be made of the bio mimetic metallic compound right right right. and once you get past the fact that that is absolutely insane doesn't make any goddamn sense it's actually a very 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 good episode i'll tell you my my closing thoughts on the subject honestly is if there could have been a final season episode i mean they already called back to it once if there could have been a final season episode of Perhaps a small faction, maybe even one uh, crew member from Voyager's lower decks, so to speak, who he didn't want to go. For some reason, he stayed behind, and all of a sudden, this crew member shows back up. You know, per- perhaps he he realized what was going on for some reason, and he he was able to construct or conscript an actual starship and and create an environment where he could survive. And he shows up and it's it's just like, hey, what's up? I exist. And they did an episode around that. I think that would have been cool. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. All right. So you know what we've been missing on the last two episodes, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's time for some <laughs> trivia. Trivia. All right. So I believe it's six to other brother. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> Um, actually, uh, the, the book knows it keeps up with everything other than Andrew, uh, cause right. Andrew's, uh, it's, I believe Andrew has one correct answer. Yeah. I'm one and one. So it is six to my seven to Andrew's one. Uh, so I feel like it's a great idea to always give Andrew one of these elaborate questions to start off with. Right. Of course. Especially to try and like, you know, you know, build up a little little bit of cred, a little bit of fluff, right? Right, right, right. All right. So <clears throat> this is gonna be a deep space nine question. Right, all right. Question seven hundred and eighty one. For centuries, governmental power on Cardassia had been shared between the military's central command and its secret intelligence agency. The official name of the governing body was the Cardassian Union, and the civilian Datapa Council served as a bridge between its two branches. However, 
it was little more than a figurehead for the true governmental authorities. After the battle of the after the battle of the Amarian Nebula, the first engagement in the war between the Dominion and the Alpha Quadrant, the Tatapa Council and a Cardassian dissident moved briefly and took control of the government. Only one Cardassian military commander secretly negotiated for the Cardassian Union to become part of the Dominion. In the episode, By Inferno's Light, he became the ruler of Cardassia. Who was this officer? I feel like I know the answer, but can I get my choices? You can. A is Damar. B is Ducat. C, it literally says a founder, like generic founder. D is Mila. <laughs> Mila, like, um... (sighs) M-I-L-A. Okay. No, that's not it. Uh, I'm gonna go with Damar. No, it is Dukat. Ah, it is Dukat. Okay. In Act 5, Dukat contacts Sisko to congratulate him. Sisko points out that Zial would have died along with him if the bomb had had gone off in the Bajoran sun, but the new leader of Cardassia does not seem to be bothered, saying he no longer considers his daughter. Dukat right. tells Sisko that he may have escaped defeat today, but tomorrow we will see about tomorrow. The captain interrupts. Mm. All right, so Andrew, which one did you answer? Wait, wait, wait. I would, I would... Are you just, you, you just looked that up, right? Yeah, but now I have it on here, so I want to hear, like, for you. Is it actually Dukat? Because I did pick Damar. Did you pick Damar? Yes, I did. Okay, Damar is A, Dukat is B. Okay. Nope. The answer is incorrect. It was Gold Dukat. Okay. According to the book. The book is law. The book is law. All right. I had to reset that. Steven, tell me when to stop flipping. Stop. Cool. Question. This is, I think, going to be a next-gen question. 514, what protects 24th century Earth from phenomenon like tornadoes? Okay. I would like my choices, please. I feel like you should definitely ask for your choices here. Um, A is a polymer shield. B, hidden Q. C, weather modification network. D, atmospheric satellite regulators. I'm going with C. Yay, you're right. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. I don't even want to answer trivia questions now. Like, this is so much more trivia. You got to do it. You got to do it. Yeah. All right. Is someone keeping up with, like, points now? Because the book's not anymore. The book was... I am one and two. Uh, Steven is, uh, you are seven. You are seven right now. Because, uh, Stuart, you had seven at the start. So now you can either be seven or eight. We were six, we were six, seven, one. And now I've gotten mine correct. So now we're seven, seven, one. All right. Y'all keep track of that shit. All right. Someone stop me. Stop. Stop. 
Oh, this is like a movie question. These oh, always, suck these, su- these suck. Um, I'm going to go with a big question then, since it, I mean, there's one. Question 1500. The Star Trek film series rebounded with the last outing of the original series crew, despite misgivings left over from the previous film. The producer Harv Bennett's desire to do a Starfleet Academy prequel, The Undiscovered Country, made $18 million in its first weekend alone. Several facts were finally established as can, uh, canonical, canonical, whatever, such as Sulu's first name and Kirk's middle name. And it marked the last appearance of Dr. McCoy and Lieutenant Uhura. While the next film would be considered the true passing of the torch between uh, it and the next generation, it wrapped its successful television run and began its life as a film franchise. Star Trek VI subtly links to the television show. Spock's comments to Picard in the opening of the episode Unification Part 2 echoed back to events of the undiscovered country and the next generation actor even portrayed his own ancestor. Who played the colonel who defeated... I'm sorry. Who played the colonel who defended Kirk and McCoy at their trial for the death of the Klingon Chancellor. Oh my god. Wow. Read your choices for yourself. A. Patrick Stewart. B. Jonathan Frakes. C. LeVar Burton. D. Michael Dorn. It's it's absolutely Michael Dorn. He was his own grandfather. <laughs> Michael Dorn, no, like legitimately think about this. Michael Dorn played his great grand it was Moog's dad that defended them, who was named Worf, and then three generations later, Michael Dorn is Worf. I believe he actually might be called Worf in the movie. I have not seen a single TOS movie in years. I feel like it's a straight-up grandfather paradox. Wow. But my, Michael Dorn literally does play his own grandfather. That's crazy. Who well, is a... So that's uh, your final answer? Lock it, it is, in. It is 100% my final answer. All right. Definitely Michael Dorn. D. Nice. Nice. Although, I will say, congratulations. We are now, uh, myself, Stephen, I have, I am, I am at seven. Stuart, you retain the lead at eight. And Andrew, I mean, you started late. I mean, you're still back at one. Whatever. It's all good. It, you know it's a disadvantage. You know what? Everybody likes an underdog. But I will say, about your question, Stuart, the beginning, the opening statement to your question, I've I will not say definitively that a fact in that was wrong, but I will say that I have read elsewhere that a part of that was wrong. I was always under the assumption that we heard the middle name Tiberius 
in the animated series for the first time and not in the undiscovered country. I have never heard this, and I'm going to have to investigate because I'm not sure one of them is lying, and I need to go back and investigate. You know what? Honestly, I feel like you're 100% right. I feel like oh. the I feel like the book missed that fact. Is that what? did, did yeah. Michael Akuda did Michael Akuda have a hand in that book that you're holding? He did not. Wow. <laughs> Didn't the animated series go out of canon for a bit though? Uh, it flirted with canon for a while. <laughs> flirted <laughs> understatement of the of the light year. Right, but did it did it not go like out of it? It came, went out of canon, then came back into canon. Well, Gene Rod Gene Roddenberry said that he did not like the stories yep. that were told in the animated series, and so it wasn't canon for a while. So but, that's a good point. We discussed that on this podcast, and I'll have to go back and 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 and, and reevaluate. But we, Andrew, that's an excellent point. When was the book that you're holding published? Because if it was during that point, then Andrew's point makes perfect sense as to why it can't be the animated series introduction of Tiberius can't be counted as canon. Wow, uh, this is the podcast episode that just does not stop. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it was manufactured in China in 2011. Yeah, so. absolutely. It was canon at that point. Yeah, no. Yeah, so they just got it wrong. Right, 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 right. Uh, it was. I don't remember the exact years that the animated series was uh, was renounced as canon, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely that's that's uh, that bugs. So I'm gonna check that out. Update I, next week. I, I have actually called the company of this book for getting a question wrong before. <laughs> you friggin' would. Oh, no. <laughs> Next time you do that, please God tape it. There's apps for everything. Dude, seriously, Steven, you don't remember this? I called you about it. It's question 1,123. I know exactly where it's at in the book. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, no way you haven't heard this story, Stephen, because I've heard this story as well. Wow, yeah, I must have I must have forgotten. This this is this is definitely uh when we get a Patreon account, this is bonus content. Alright, so here's the question. <laughs> I remember calling you, because me and Jake are having this conversation. Like we're playing with the book. We're playing like two player, right? The question is, um what classification was the USS Equinox. Either oh, one of you... Uh, um, uh, Jesus. <sighs> I, I, I don't recall. Oh, I swear to God, I feel like it was like a question thousand. So, the question was, which classification of ship was the USS Equinox? I know that it is a Nova-class starship, Right. It is a short-range scientific vessel that is basically capable of doing warp six in a pinch. That's it. That's why it was so insane that it was still alive. So the question was, what what class of ship is the USS Equinox? And I said, eh, just pick whatever that says Nova, because I know that's right. And they picked C, which was Nova, and they went, eh. The book said the correct answer was Intrepid class. Oh my god. 
And we all know that the intrepid class was what Voyager was. And there was an entire scene in that episode where Janeway, like, bust Ransom's balls. It was just like, bro, I knew you were going to ask me about this. Uh, here's Starfleet regulations. When we're out of contact, the ship with the superior capability assumes command. And that would be an impossible scenario to happen if they were both Intrepid-class vehicles. So we know that it's not an Intrepid-class fucking vehicle. It's, the book was... Yeah, yeah. I called the number on the book. And, and someone told, answered? They did. I waited on hold for a while. Were, were, were you... I mean, were they, were they sympathetic to your plea? Or were they just like, shut up, nerd? No, they were like... <laughs> Bro, it's a coding era. Yeah, the the right answer is obviously B. I like that the the caller just knew. Yeah, it's like yeah, dude. No, like because I'm not the first person to call about that. That's what yeah. that tells me. Yeah, I explained to them. I was like, look, I'm in the middle of a heated thing, and I've been on the I've been on hold with your publishing company's like customer service desk, which I'm assuming doesn't get a lot. Like who use like I call Verizon. I call Vizio, right? Direct TV, right? Like you call electronic company, like customer help desks all the fucking time. When was the last time you called like a McMillan help desk? <laughs> right? In a while. Like, you know, people that like make textbooks. Verizon got like 30,000 people. They're outsourcing that shit to India because they need to. McMillan, these fucking people, they got like nine maybe 10 people with like a like they're, like they're contractors like they're just going about their regular life but like they got a like a cell like a company phone that's why people carry two phones if you see someone with two phones that's why one's their personal phone the other one is because like maybe someone has a problem with a book you're like a book customer help person there's a bunch of stupid people in the world right now that could use help with books like how do i get to the middle of it like i'm trying to swipe they're like no you have to pick it up all right most of that's gonna get edited <laughs> out uh so, <laughs> so, so again, I, again i would just like to thank uh reddit itself for existing the subreddit sonic shower thoughts providing a platform for this idea and the user uh you slash Rambarek for provide for being the progenitor for this idea. Uh, I hope we took it in the in the in the way that you, that you thought it was going to go. Uh, if you even listen to this, but uh, so if you anybody out there would like to provide us with some thoughts as to why we suck or why we're awesome, you can always drop us an email at ryansyndicatedpodcast at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter at podcastorion. That is the best way to get a hold of us. We, we will be able to get back with you right away. And again, as mentioned earlier, if you go to our Anchor page, you can always leave us a voice message, and you may just end up in an episode of our podcast, uh, because we would absolutely love to publish someone else's voice besides our own. Stuart? I'm not going to lie. Listening to specifically myself, but also you, repetitively editing this is the worst. I would love to hear somebody else's voice.
Absolutely. I mean, my voice sounds like bells. It's like birds singing. But I mean, you're kind of you're kind of stagnant. But Andrew's great. Oh, thanks, thanks. Appreciate it. My my routine is I call someone and let them talk to me for like ten minutes before I start talking to any of y'all. That's a, that's that's actually good. You know, it's you got to limber up. You got you got a fluff. Yeah. I've got a fluffer. Shit, now I just called Lydia fluffer. Sorry, Lydia. All right. I think that's where we're going to end it, guys. Uh, live long and prosper. This was Peace a long life. Peace and long life. Even Neelix was promoted before Ensign Kim. See ya. <laughs>